Welcome. The following presentation from Answers in CME is part of an educational activity titled The Urgency of Retinal Vein Occlusion, Timely Detection, Referral, and Management. To access the full program and supporting materials, please visit the activity URL in the episode description. This activity is supported by an independent medical educational grant from Regeneron Pharmaceuticals Incorporated. Hello, I'm Dr. Lloyd Clark, Affiliate Assistant Professor of Ophthalmology at the University of South Carolina School of Medicine and a managing partner at Palmetto Retina Center in West Columbia, South Carolina. Let's first begin by understanding why it is important to refer patients with retinal vein occlusion in a timely manner. Retinal vein occlusion is typically split into two broad categories. In the case of a central retinal vein occlusion, the blockage occurs within the central retinal vein, typically inside the optic nerve. In contrast, a branch retinal vein occlusion occurs at a crossing point of a retinal vein somewhere within the body of the retina. They really are two separate clinical entities, although they have similar characteristics clinically as well as for treatment. Branch retinal vein occlusions are much more common than central retinal vein occlusions. Patients with branch retinal vein occlusion do have a lower potential for vision loss, although some patients can develop vision loss with a central URVO, and these patients typically are unlikely to develop retinal neovascularization. In contrast, central retinal vein occlusion, although less common, can be much more severe in terms of their presentation, can cause severe vision loss and have a higher likelihood of developing retinal neovascularization, which can cause devastating consequences untreated. The primary treatment for all retinal vein occlusions, but in particular, more severe central retinal vein occlusions, are injections with anti-VEGF agents. They treat vision loss by reducing leakage from incompetent blood vessels, and they also inhibit neovascularization, which can lead to vitreous hemorrhage and neovascular glaucoma. Retinal photocoagulation is an adjunctive treatment used in patients that are inadequately controlled with anti-VEGF therapy or in patients with poor compliance. We know from multiple clinical trials in patients that are randomized to observation that a delay in treatment results in reduced visual acuity improvements after initiation of therapy. Patients in the registration trials had a delay of treatment for six months. After six months, they could start injections with anti-VEGF therapy. And although their visual acuity improved, it only improved modestly compared to patients that were treated at the beginning of their disease. Let's now look at how to identify patients with retinal vein occlusions that may benefit from anti-VEGF therapy and the need to be referred to a specialist. In this session, let's begin by discussing what signs and symptoms to look out for when it comes to identifying patients with retinal vein occlusion that should be referred to a specialist. Symptoms of retinal vein occlusions are typically painless, acute loss of vision. Again, with patients with central retinal vein occlusion, it's typically more severe and more broad-based decreased vision in a single eye. Branch retinal vein occlusion patients, in contrast, can have oftentimes sectoral decreased vision, but in both cases, painless, acute loss of vision. In both presentations, that loss of vision is due to macular edema, swelling in the retina, due to leakage into the retina from incompetent retinal blood vessels. When we look at the presentation of visual acuity across the two categories of retinal vein occlusion, it's not surprising that patients with branch retinal vein occlusions typically present with better vision as well as long-term better vision compared to patients with CRVO. And the pie charts that we see on the slide here are consistent with that finding. Factors commonly associated with retinal vein occlusions, in both cases, 
Patients with increasing age have higher rates of retinal vein occlusion. Also, systemic vascular factors such as hypertension, diabetes, and hyperlipidemia can cause an increased risk, particularly in patients with central retinal vein occlusion. Again, risk factors associated with BRVO include glaucoma, vascular diseases such as hypertension, elevated lipids, diabetes associated with coronary artery disease. And similarly, patients with CRVO have evidence of atherosclerotic disease as well as sleep apnea. So retinal vein occlusions are uncommon but potentially devastating disease that can cause vision loss in patients as they get older and in patients with cardiovascular risk factors. Now, let's look at the practical aspects of referring patients to a specialist when they may be in need of anti-VEGF therapy. When patients are seen with acute painless vision loss, there are a number of baseline assessments that should be performed. Those include best corrected visual acuity, a dilated fundoscopic examination with color fundus photography. If available, gonioscopy is an important tool because it can evaluate the angle for neovascularization, particularly in patients with central retinal vein occlusion. Optical coherence tomography is a mainstay of diagnosis in the retina practice. And now, fortunately, many primary eye care providers have availability of OCT in their offices. This is an enormously valuable tool to detect macular edema, which is a common cause of vision loss in patients with retinal vein occlusion. Intraocular pressures are important to check not only in patients at risk for neovascular glaucoma, a severe complication of central retinal vein occlusion, but also to evaluate patients for the possibility of chronic open-angle glaucoma. Remember that chronic open-angle glaucoma is a risk factor for branch retinal vein occlusion. Although it is possible to present with bilateral retinal vein occlusions, this presentation is extremely rare and most commonly patients present with a retinal vein occlusion in a single eye. They typically complain of blurred vision, distortion, sectoral loss in vision, and this unilateral blurred vision can often result in a reduction of depth perception because they're only seeing clearly out of one eye. In terms of key practical aspects for primary eye care providers and primary care doctors, you know, I think it's very important to have a good relationship with a retina specialist in your community. These patients need somewhat urgent care because of the potential for devastating neovascular complications. And so it's important to have someone available that can see these patients in a timely fashion. Here, we recommend somewhere between two to four weeks. The earlier treatment here, the better. Clearly, we don't let these patients leave the office without an injection of an anti-VEGF agent once they're diagnosed with a retinal vein occlusion. In our next session, let's look at the anti-VEGF therapies available for patients with retinal vein occlusion and what the data says about them. We have a number of anti-VEGF agents that are available, both ranibizumab and aflibercept are FDA-approved drugs. Bevacizumab is an anti-VEGF agent originally developed to treat solid tumors which is used off-label and has had a tremendous public health impact in terms of treating patients with retinal vein occlusion. We'll talk first about aflibercept. We see at the primary outcome date, somewhere between 56 and 60% of eyes double their vision with aflibercept monthly therapy compared to somewhere between 12 and 20% of patients that were observed, which was the current standard of care. What's also very encouraging is treatment as needed or PRN out to one year and two years. The percentage of these patients that doubled their vision was stable 
which is a dramatic improvement over anything that we had previously. Patients that were initially assigned to sham treatment and then were crossed over to anti-VEGF therapy if they had macular edema. We see some improvement, but a blunted effect compared to acute therapy. Similar data here with ranibizumab, somewhere between 13 and 15 letters of improvement on the visual acuity chart in patients treated monthly with ranibizumab compared to no improvement in patients that were observed with sham therapy. But again, after six months, patients that were initially assigned to the sham arm could be crossed over and we see some improvement of visual acuity, but only about 50% compared to acute therapies. We have data now with bevacizumab, the off-label treatment. Proof of concept demonstrated that this non-FDA-approved drug does have a biologic effect in patients treated with retinal vein occlusion, perhaps not quite as effective as the on-label therapies, but an excellent option in many patients. Let's move on to BRVO. Similar findings, patients with branch retinal vein occlusions treated monthly with a flibercept. Over 50% of them doubled their visual angle compared to 26% at the primary outcome of week 24, when those patients were crossed over, again, a modest improvement of visual acuity, but a blunted response compared to the patients that were initially treated and their treatment was maintained. Again, with ranibizumab, rapid, dramatic improvement in patients treated monthly, not much improvement in the sham group until after week 24, but even after they have treatment available after six months, a blunted treatment response compared to initial therapy with ranibizumab. Well, we treat lots of patients in the clinic with anti-VEGF agents for retinal vein occlusions. We do worry about the uncommon but devastating potential complications of retinal detachment and endophthalmitis. These can cause severe vision loss. These are the type of signs and symptoms that we talk with every patient about prior to their injections to look for once they leave, including increasing redness in their eye with pain, vision loss, floaters, light sensitivity, and flashing lights. So what do we do for long-term monitoring of patients with retinal vein occlusion? Once they receive their initial injection, they're made a follow-up appointment with the expectation that they'll have subsequent injections. At those visits, we do a clinical exam to look for neovascularization, both of the anterior segment as well as the retina of patients with central retinal vein occlusion. But the mainstay of diagnostic evaluation is OCT. And we use OCT critically at each treatment visit to gauge response to treatment. In the patients that receive steroids, we have to look for increases in intraocular pressure as well as cataract. One of the more common adverse events with anti-VEGF therapy is endophthalmitis. Topical povidone iodine prep to the eye and the periocular tissues has been demonstrated reduced rate of this devastating complication. Patients can get mild to moderate inflammation. Those patients are watched very carefully because that can be the first signs of an infection. But in lack of progression of symptoms, they can be treated with topical steroids to improve their mild inflammation. We've learned from data that most of the improvement occurs during the first two to three months of treatment. So many of us have adopted a treat and extend protocol where we treat patients until they're stabilized at their best level. Then their treatment intervals can be increased at one to two week intervals, typically out to approximately a 12 week interval. At the 12 week interval, most patients with central retinal vein occlusion will maintain therapy. Some patients with BRBO can be stopped from treatment with close observation, but really treatment extend is the mainstay of managing these patients. Treatment that as needed or PRN can be used as well, but these 
occurrences of macular edema can cause long-term vision loss. So in summary, today's program has demonstrated that timely referral is essential in retinal vein occlusion. Retinal vein occlusion is a painless acute loss of vision. It typically occurs in patients that are older. One thing that is important to note is that patients that are young can develop retinal vein occlusion, most commonly central retinal vein occlusion. If they do, these patients need to have an extensive workup of clotting disorders, either by their primary care doctor or perhaps a hematologist. Clinical trial data shows that delaying anti-VEGF therapy can reduce the vision gains that can be obtained with immediate treatment for these patients. And it is important to manage comorbidities such as diabetes and hypertension that can increase the risk of retinal vein occlusion in these patients. Thank you for listening. Please visit the activity URL in the episode description to view all program materials, complete the post-test, and get a certificate.